Welcome to the Truth CSGO podcast, episode 121, The Blast Paris Major, part 11, featuring Naf from Team Liquid. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Fair. Godzilla. Flasher. Oh, this is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the truth? The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. And this is Raps, and you're listening to the truth. CSGO podcast. Liquid got booted from the server last night by an inform Apex, getting further than most expected considering their initial display of form here at the Blast Paris Major 2023. Yukinda top fragged, and the only other player to put up a respectable stat line was Keith Markovic, aka Nasty Ass Naf, aka Nutty as fuck. We had a good chat the day before all about the team, not only what's been happening at this event, but over his time there. And at one point we talked about the baseline of Liquid before the additions of Fallen and Stewie, and Naf started going on a tangent about what Stewie brought to the team. And at first, I didn't realize why, but then as he spoke, I got the sense he was trying to reverse the most recent narratives around Stewie. That he was doing his bit for a friend. So Naf is not only a consistently dangerous player, but a loyal comrade. We also talk most interestingly about the Rubicon in his career, the flashpoint when he realized if he didn't take control and take up space in this world, he was going to be left behind. His NAF. Um, how you doing? Doing all right. Yeah, I'm in the playoffs, so so far so good. <laughs> I didn't really expect it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, of course, you know, even for ourselves, maybe at some point, O2 in the Challengers, O1 versus Fluxo, made it all the way back. Yeah, you and Faze have had a bit of a grind back. Um, we'll talk about that in a sec. Mm-hmm. But one thing I just wanted to laugh about with you was that when you go to the Liquid website, it lists your achievements as Alienware Area 51 Cup. I buy power invitational 2015 clutch con 2015 that is not correct that is for sure it seems like it's a little out of date yeah a little out of date i trust maybe going on liquipedia more often that's a that's a bloody pom over there <laughs> just ruining other people's interviews Sorry. as per usual so yeah so about this comeback uh what was the team talk after those first two losses to forts and apex i mean yeah i mean obviously you know we we're really tough we we're really hard on ourselves you know especially after the apex game you know i played individually like one of my worst games i think in a long time uh i think like the last time like i actually had like a match where i went like 0 and 12 0 and 13 and that was actually during my uh, cologne grand slam run versus navi so it's not something i've really felt before i mean it's something that i've obviously dealt with before at, at a certain time and i just understand that like at times like you know I have slow starts like, in games, but if you're mentally, if you're strong, you can always come back. Counter-Strike is a round-by-round round game. You know, I've had plenty of games where I start slow, like 1-8 and eight or like 2-7, and seven, you know, all that. And I'm able to come back and bring it. So if you just have like a strong mental, you can come back into it no matter what. But yeah, no, obviously in the Apex game, I started off really, really, really shitty, I guess you could say. And uh, I knew, I was like, man, the start of the major, we're at the last CSGO major here in Paris. And like, this is how I'm starting it. You know, obviously I was like really, really hard on myself and really need myself to just pull myself back and make sure I need to come back. And I think that was something I've been able to pull off throughout this event. But yeah, obviously the apex loss was uh, hurt a little bit. And then we talked about it after the game, all the mistakes. I think in the first game, we were a little nervous. I think like as a team, I believe, because the communication just wasn't flowing as right as it was when we were practicing before coming to the event. And we just knew that, hey, maybe it's just like kind of first game jitters a little bit. And I think we felt that somewhat. And then, you know, going into the Forza game, 
I believe we talked a lot of things out and figured a lot more things out. And, you know, second game, I think we felt a little bit more comfortable, more more in the zone a little bit. But uh, unfortunately, I think we just lost to just like just small errors. You know, I, th I know like there were some missed peaks for myself. I remember like 14-14 maybe being a little too over aggressive, you know. Uh, but yeah, obviously it was just 16-14 to fours and then 16-12 to apex with even myself playing really poorly. So a lot, those best of ones were pretty close. Uh, and so, you know, we, I don't think we we're too hard on ourselves. Obviously, we we're really disappointed being down 0-2 after the boot camp that we had because we believe that we had a pretty good boot camp for the event. And then, yeah, obviously the start so flat is obviously pretty disappointing. And obviously, yeah, being down 0-2, I think, I think it pushes your mental state of mind in like a different area, you know? I think a lot of people are probably thinking, damn, all right, last CSGO major, we have players on this team that have been making major quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals, you know, especially the Legion, Nitro. Like, I know they're obviously, they're players just like me that have been around for a long time and they're chasing that goal of winning a major and to just fall so flat and potentially go out 0-3, I think that kind of, you know, forced us, you know, to, to kind of wake up, you know, and start performing a little bit better. And I believe that's what happened, you know. So, yeah. So I guess uh, that's kind of like how the comeback, I think, started for us. <clears throat> when I came back to the media room, I was like, <clears throat> holy shit, Liquid's like, looks like a new team. And Ryan at Dust2 was like, yeah, yeah, it's because OC's like being really more vocal now. It's like, was that a thing? Um... I mean, even coming through this event and even on our practices, and uh, I feel like I feel like you know that's a pretty accurate statement because I believe when we first picked up OC uh, back in 2022, uh, um, I think he was a lot more passive and and is you know being vocal you know on all that. I think maybe you know it's just like that natural thing when you come into teams with players that you looked up to. You know, like he thinks he's pretty much surrounded by players that are potentially better than him. You know, with that mindset and. He doesn't want to step on any other's toes, you know, and make other players angry with him or something like that, you know. But, uh, yeah, so I think that's something that he's developed to be more comfortable with. Obviously, I think also as an opera, I think operas nowadays are pretty much the most important players on teams. Like, you see a lot of them are pretty much their best performers on teams, you know, with, like, Simple, Dexter, you know, Brokey, uh, even Katie at times with Heroic, you know. But... Uh, obviously, Zaiwu, Vitality, you know, they're obviously their most key and important players on teams. And if you want your opera to perform, he needs to be a very vocal part, you know, in terms of the game plan and understanding on how he wants to rotate. And yeah, he just need, really needs to just say what he wants to do. And I think that's something OC has improved in a lot. And I believe that's also why his performance is a lot better. Because, I mean, for me, in personal experience, when I was on Optic, I was more of a selfless and, you know, laid back player and just kind of let everyone else kind of do their thing. And then you know, when I came to Renegades, uh, it was like a completely 180 from how I was on Optic. I was way more controlling and I wanted more risk. I wanted more reward. I wanted to be the one that was responsible if, if we lost or if we won. And, you know, and even during that time, I was way more vocal, saying everything I wanted to do, how I wanted to play, and if things I wanted to do, I would do them no matter what it was. And I think individually I played way better because I knew I was in control. And I think... That's something that I can obviously see now with OC because I believe I see it in the boot camp that we had before and even at this tournament, you know, he's getting more hyped. He's talking a lot more on how he wants to play and things he wants to do. He's not waiting for Yakinda and Nitro to tell him what to do. So I think that's a big part. And obviously, just like you said, which is pretty much a true statement, I believe, because, yeah, he's just being more vocal. He's more in it. And I think that also ultimately makes you play better because you know what you do. You're in the driver's seat. You can control what you want to do. I've heard, I've heard you talk about that time on Renegades in that sense before. Was that partly also due to the fact that 
us Aussies are so fucking chilled and like, <laughs> you know, um, we don't like offending people. And was it also partly a reaction to those players? Were you like, fuck it, I need to take control of this situation? Um, uh, I mean, I mean, this is something I haven't really expressed too much, but I've ex I think I expressed it. I remember like the, within like the first month when I joined Renegades, um, I was just kind of like the same player that I was an optic. I said, you know, like whatever you want to do, like I'll do it. Just put me where you want me to do and I'll do it. And, um, but yeah, like, I think like after that, like, I think I was like so depressed to the point that I didn't actually didn't want to play anymore. Cause, uh, during my time on optic, you know, my IGL Stanislaw left for liquid, Tarek and Rush left for cloud nine. And then Mixwell stayed with optic and optic ultimately choose Mixwell to develop an international team. And it was actually like, I think like a month or two into Renegades, I actually told the team, like, I wanted to quit. I actually didn't want to play anymore because like, I was so depressed and like, I felt like all my other teams went upwards where I went completely back downwards. So I was like, I feel like everything I did was all for nothing. And I was just like, yeah, I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. And then, you know, Kassad and my team and even Jonas Drepko, the owner of Renegades, all sat down and talked to me and said, you can quit when we're done like with these events. We have E-League Major coming up. We have these qualifiers for Star Ladder and uh, um, Katowice. Once we play these events, we'll, we'll let you go you can quit and you know and go live your life I guess and I, I think it got to that point where I, I like literally just like sat down and I was just like this is pretty much life or death for my career you know I can ultimately just be that player that had you know good moments but you know was never really that good enough to do anything and will just naturally just fade away in his career and it'll be all over but and then also it was just like or I could just be this more cocky player that wants to be the best and you know control everything and just do everything that I can. And yeah, I pretty much just treated it like life or death, especially in my career, which pretty much it was. So I ultimately, you know, kind of just became this player that wanted to be empowered and everything and show what I was truly capable of. And yeah, and in the end, it all worked out. A couple months later, obviously, I, I was playing really well, performing really well, and then ultimately I got the call from Liquid. That's amazing. Never heard that story. So it's like <clears throat> you had this fork in the road. Where you're like, I can either be a winner or a loser. Yeah, really, pretty much. at least in this, yeah. <laughs> you know, in this arena. Who did you have as someone in your mind had chosen to be that winner, that person who was in control? Did you have someone around you who was doing that, or were you looking at another player? Mm, no, not not necessarily. I think it was like I don't know. I think it's just like a natural moment. I think a lot of people come across like just like in their lives about anything that they do, any type of work any type of family, you know, or something. Like, I'm not sure. It was ultimately just like, I had nothing. And if I wanted something, I would have to do something about it, <laughs> you know? And I mean, obviously to kind of come back onto your question about like the Aussie guys and all that. And I already mentioned this like before to some people that like, I'm like pretty much like internally grateful and in, like in forever debt to like all those Aussie players, you know, Justin, JKS, uh, Noah, Nifty, uh, Aaron, Azza, and Carlo Ustillo, and obviously Alex Kassad and all that. Because I think with, a lot of other players and just like just like you said i think they were so laid back like they're so easy going that they're just like all right man you can do whatever you want we trust you and mm -hmm. obviously i think with having literally four players that are just like completely cool with that uh obviously it's just like obviously just like amazing uh if anything like you know like i owe where i am today to them and mm -hmm. i've mentioned this already to other people that i obviously like i'm super grateful for all of them and everything that they gave to me to give me to pretty much bring me to where i am now so They'll always be someone, people that I'll always think about in my career for sure, 100%. I mean, your rating towards the end of that Renegades roster was just unbelievable. Like, you were smashing it. 
It, it's interesting. Someone pointed out on Reddit this morning um, how many people are in this final eight who had European players who had a, like a low point of their career in NA. And it seems like there does come a point often in your career, your professional life, where you have been or you feel like you've been the victim of some circumstances. So you might get cut from a team and then you see everyone else have, have gone to the right team. They've gone to a team that has kept them going in a direction that you haven't gone. And then you've had to go, hold on, I'm not a victim here. Or I, I can be a victim if I want, mm -hmm. but then I'm just going to be washed away in my life, right? No. It's like a, it's a definition, it's a difference between passivity and, and uh, action. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much just, like I, like I said, it. like, uh, obviously, it's like, people are like, are like, huh, like, wow, like, how can you think about that being in a video game, but obviously, in this game of Counter-Strike. Who says that? You know, Come on. I mean, I don't know, but, like, you know, maybe some person, but, like, obviously, Counter-Strike is, like, my, my, <laughs> my, um, my life and all that, and it's something that I worked so hard for, and obviously, especially just being on that Optic team, like, even before when I was in Conquest, and, like, even before that, it was, a, like, denial in 2014. It's, like, I was on that team for so many years and built it for so many years, and to the point where... It kind of felt like I was abandoned, I guess, in a, in a sense. So I felt like really lost in my career. But yeah, I think like ultimately after that time on Renegades, you know, I just really wanted to come back and show everybody a bit like, hey, like these other teams wanted these other players, but I'm going to show you that I was better. And those players, those teams made the wrong decisions. And if I look back and see all those players that I used to play with, none of them are here now. And I'm the only one here. So Savage, where's Nifty? <laughs> Nifty, where are you, bro? Yeah. Poor old Yustilo as well. Uh, I mean, not, not towards more like the Renegades guys. That was more pointed towards like the Optic. Obviously, I, I have obviously have love for all the Optic guys. You know, they all treated me nice. Uh, but yeah, no, that was nothing towards the Renegades guys because I'm super grateful for what they did to me. Mm. And, you know, in, you know, maybe in some fashion, they kind of somewhat sacrificed themselves to make my, my life in Counter-Strike better. You know, right. so like I, can, I even think about it in that sense, you know. So right. I'll never obviously give any shit or any hate towards those Renegades guys. Like they're pretty much the reason why I'm here today. I think it was more about how I felt when I was on Optic. Like, you know, like, Tarek and Rush going to Cloud9. I'm like, oh, they called those guys the Cloud9, huh? And then, right. like, uh, you know, and... And then they win a major. Yeah, and then, like, Liquid, like, oh, they want to stand as well, huh? And, you know, and all that. But obviously, you know, obviously, I love the Optic guys and everybody, you know, but at the end of the day, I was just like, oh, I, I just want to prove to everyone else that, like, hey, I think I'm the better player than all those players that yeah. they've brought up. But, yeah. I think you've proven that. You know, there's two things that makes me think about... Um, I mean, I'm really interested in this idea of motivation and how much sometimes in your life you need someone or you need to imagine someone telling you that you're not good enough because that plays such a huge part, at least for me, of um, fueling my motivation as a kid. Like, I remember I had a guy in uh, high school, one of my principals, who said, you're going to fail, you're going to drop out. Mm. And that's when I really started trying and no, then yeah. I sent my results to him at the end mm. of school because I was like, fuck you, bro. Yeah, um... I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know if it was ever like I needed someone to tell me. I just think like, I don't know, it, it was like a, just like a moment where like I just felt like, like I said again, like it just felt like life or death. So I was like, you're going to fucking get up and go or you're just going to stay here and fade away into, you know, obscurity. So, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? Lay down or get up? Yeah, uh, that, that I mean, that's also, you could stretch that analogy out to how you play Counter-Strike, right? You play passive, you, you react and then you lose a game. Mm -hmm. And then you have only yourself to blame in that role. And right. I think that's why a lot of people come out and go, we didn't play our own game. We should have played our own game. Mm -hmm. we, weren't, we weren't actually acting yeah. in the game, imposing our will on the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, yeah, no, obviously that 
it's a lot in Counter-Strike as well. There's obviously plenty of times in my career like where we show up and we're just flat and everything and our communication, our skill, and people just don't even seem to be awake talking to their own teammates trying to create something. And I think that's just, you know, that's normal a lot, especially I believe in the NA scene when it comes to mentality and just the way some North Americans think, like, you know, just the way we're raised or just the way we act, you know, I don't know how it could be necessarily, but yeah, I mean, obviously that's the same in Counter-Strike, you know, you know, if you want to show up and you want to win, you got to make sure you're doing everything correctly, because if not, the other people is going to be over there kicking your ass and doing it 10 times better, so. Well, you know, one thing that you've had in your career is, is, is people coming in with different inputs. You've had Stewie coming in with what he brought from Fallen on MIBR. Then you've had Fallen himself. You've now had Yekindar bringing over the CIS sort of mentality. I'd love to know what you guys see as Liquid's baseline before that sort of other input comes in. You know, like what did you have before those guys came in and what did you have before Yekindar came in? Mm, I mean, I think when I first originally joined Liquid, um I first originally joined Liquid, uh, I believed that there was a lot of passiveness on the team, and especially in the environment and the way the way the team operated. Um, I think a lot of it was obviously I relied a lot upon Zeus. In my opinion, when I first came in, I felt like Zeus was mainly like the dad of the team, you know, somewhat. Like, yeah. He gave <laughs> that impression from the outside, yeah, too. Yeah, it was like... Uh, it seemed like when there was a lot of issues or things that needed to be talked about, Zeus would always be the one initiating it, talking about it. You know, if players have problems, they would mainly probably go to Zeus and then they would talk about it. And I just believe like a lot of people didn't really, you know, hold a lot of accountability to themselves, you know, in fixing things. Um, uh, so that, that was like my first impression, you know, playing on the original team. And, you know, even with Nitro, I mean, you know, he's not, he was originally never a natural leader, for obviously, from what I've talked to him. And obviously, in his, you know, even when he was younger and all that, you know, and he was never like that leader that would, you know, you know, try to talk and talk and get loud and be like, understand, like, whoa, whoa, why is this problem with this? And he's like, yo, come talk to me and we're going to get, you know, this guy and we're going to talk this out. You know, like, or Nitro is never really that guy. He was kind of just that, you know, that guy that was like, okay, like, you know, I can call strats, I can, you know, lead in game and, you know, and he has a great mind for the game and, and a way to, in a way to do things. But when it came to like the outside things of actually being like an in, like a leader on the team, you know, it's like, that's uh, something I think that was somewhat per, like kind of foreign to him. Mm. I think he naturally just avoids, doesn't like to, you know, be too much involved in confrontation and, you know, obviously I don't blame him. Nick, like you said, he, he was never naturally, he felt like a leader. You know, he's never he's never naturally a person that you know jumps into confrontation and wants to you know strike at everything he can get into. So I, I understood like why Zeus was always that guy, I guess, on Liquid. And then obviously uh, later on, like obviously we had Taco, like obviously we had Stilega at the start, and then we had Taco and all that. And uh, and then Taco, someone became a little bit more of a vocal person. I think talking about things. You know, I think he worked well with Zeus. Obviously, they had work they had worked in the past. And they did a lot of things together, and yeah, Taco was pretty vocal at times when things were wrong and all that. And but you know, at the same time, I guess you know, you know, Taco and Zeus weren't uh, obviously I don't know like how to say, it, but obviously they they just they're obviously from just like a different scene, a different culture, you know. So it's hard to like compare them. And um, later on in 2019, that's where we kind of had the introduction of Stewie getting onto the team. And Stewie obviously is American. He's a player, you know, player we've all played around and played against plenty of times through our career like when he was on Cloud Nine. And I think when Stewie joined, that's when like things really started to take a shift on like a lot of people. He was like very vocal. He was very passionate, and 
if anything was going wrong, he would always be the one to speak up about it and be like, yo, like, what is wrong? Like, what, why the fuck are we doing these things? You know, like, yeah. and he always, always wanted to speak his mind and always be that guy. And I think that's why, that's what made Stewie a natural leader because he mm -hmm. was, I feel like, a leader. In Cloud9, he did the exact same. He had a lot of players on his teams that didn't like confrontation, didn't want to talk about things. And then mm -hmm. he would have to be the, be the guy to be like, sit them all down and be like, yo, like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, what's going on? Yeah. And... I think you brought a lot of that to Liquid, and I think that's also a change in mentality somewhat on Liquid as well with some of the players. Like, oh my God, like we have like this player that's constantly trying to, uh, constantly on our ass, you know, trying to like yeah. make us better and like, you know, you know, bring a different side of us out yeah. to improve the team. And I think that's what Stewie did. And I think we also owe Stewie a lot. And me personally, I owe Stewie a lot because I believed if we never picked up Stewie, we, we would have never achieved any of those things. And I mean, you could 100% see that from the outside. Yeah, I, could, I yeah. mean, I like, I agree. Like, it's like, and then I remember even I, I remember watching like an interview. I think like with Autom Automatic, and he said the Cloud Nine like major run wouldn't have been possible without Stewie. And then, so he's pretty much thinking the exact same feelings that I had towards Stewie that he had on his team on Cloud Nine. And I completely see it because when I was on Liquid with Stewie, I at the end of it when it all came crashing down somewhat, I guess going into 2020, obviously I was like. Yeah, I don't think we'd have achieved any of this stuff if it wasn't for Stewie. And like that's why I always put Stewie on like a high list in NA. Like when it comes to like one of the best players, people may give him shit maybe because he doesn't perform too well at times. Obviously, obviously he's not playing now, but if I had to rate him up there, he'd honestly be in my top two, like top one, top two NA players. You, Stewie. <laughs> I mean, if I had to put my top, the top two for me would obviously be Twist and Stewie, in my opinion. I mm. think obviously naturally, you know, just like with Twist and all that, he's achieved, he has to be number one. But honestly, I'd probably put Stewie at two because the amount of impact he's put onto the scene and the things that he's done mm. to my team, his, every team that he joins has been crazy. Like Cloud9, they won a major and they won a handful of events. Came to Liquid, won a Grand Slam and a handful of events. Mm. So you know, obviously his impact is obviously has been seen, and like obviously I saw it, and I always I always praised him, and told people that like honestly he's one of the best, and maybe the best in North America. So yeah, yeah, and then yeah, obviously. So that's pretty much like how the team the team dynamic shifted, you know, mentalities and the way of thinking and all that was. That's how a lot of it changed. I, I actually I noticed that Twist kind of brought that. Um, to phase when mm. he went there you could tell from their comms that they had really started to shut down and he really brought a lot of positive energy and that was a sick play and what if I do this it flashed for me mm. so he obviously got some of that from Stewie and took it over to EU and speaking of EU we will we'll, we'll divert into our final question here I've uh, it's very different here Paris to mm. where I'm from in Australia um, which is probably pretty close to Vancouver, which is where you're from, right? Yeah. And what, what really interests me about it is that there's such a duality. Like, there's lovely cafes, there's, like, um, beautiful parks, and then you've got some homeless dude, like, screaming at you on the metro <laughs> like, yeah. five minutes later and, like, throwing shit against the wall. Um, with your interview with Maui Snake, you said you might move here if the right team comes mm. knocking at some point in the future. Why don't you move here now? I, I just like ultimately like I just have like a lot of obligations even when I'm at home. Uh, I actually actually own a business <laughs> at the same time as I'm playing really? Counter Strike. Yeah, luckily I'm very fortunate to have my brother working there, and so like he can run it and like make sure everything is like good. Because obviously if I was if I had to fully have to focus on that and do Counter Strike, I think I'd just have too much. On I'm my gonna plate. take a wild guess at what this business is. I genuinely have no idea. Is it 
sloth-themed CBD oil? <laughs> no, unfortunately not, no. Uh, it's actually like uh, auto glass. Like uh, I, uh, we would like re replace windshields and do calibrations on cars. Are you know? serious? Uh, I'm also in the process of like having, like getting like a house where I live and, uh -huh. and all that. And so I obviously just have like some obligations I have to do at home. And uh, right. obviously, you yeah, know, obviously I have obligations here in Europe. My girlfriend is European as well. She's from Germany, but she actually recently moved to the Netherlands, which is an hour away from the liquid facility. Uh -huh. So, you know, like obviously I have obligations and things that I have to do in Europe as well. But uh, ultimately when it comes to the team stuff in Europe, um, uh, obviously, you know, I'm very committed to Liquid and uh, I love Liquid. Uh, I think they're one of the greatest esports e organizations I think I've ever worked for, you know, so I obviously you know, I enjoy being here. But if it ever comes to a day, one day in the future, obviously, I think playing in Europe would obviously be awesome. Uh, I think it's just a completely different atmosphere and understanding when it comes to playing with European teams and I think it's something that I would enjoy. I, I kind of had a little taste of that a little bit when I was on the end of Optic. Yeah. I, I had to play on the international team a little bit with um, Magisk, Mixwell, Freiburg and Alu yeah. and I got like a little bit of taste of like damn this is actually like way completely different than playing on an NA team when it ter in terms of communication and understanding. Obviously that was a long time ago but um, yeah obviously who knows. Who knows what the future can hold but I'm very open to anything that is thrown my way. So much to talk about, but we have to end this. Thank yeah, you very much. And good luck yeah. buying a house, man. That's Thank some you. stressful <laughs> shit. Of course, yes. <laughs> Obviously, good luck tomorrow. It's around the tournament. Thank you, that as well. That's also stressful. Yeah. <laughs>